All right, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the San Francisco County Transportation Authority Plans and Programs Committee meeting for Tuesday, November 15th, 2016. Um, would uh, like to thank our clerk of the committee, Mr. Steve Stamos, as well as uh, Leo Diasis and Mark Bunch from SFGTV. Um, Mr. Clerk, do we have any announcements? Uh, there are no announcements. Okay, um, Mr. Clerk, can we go to item number one? All right, item one, roll call. Commissioner Avalos? Avalos present. Commissioner Breed? Breed absent. Commissioner Farrell? Present. Farrell present. Commissioner Peskin? Peskin present. Commissioner Tang? Tang absent. We have quorum. Okay, thank you very much. Um, colleagues, uh, Supervisor Tang had a, a previous commitment. Could I entertain a motion to excuse Supervisor Tang from? So, so moved. Okay, we have a motion and a second. Can we take that without objection? Yes. So moved. All right, Mr. Clerk, could you go to item number two, please? Item two, Citizens Advisory Committee Report. This is an information item. Good morning, Commissioners. I don't know why you're standing here. It's uh, all new to me. Um, item number four, um, the 3.15 million Prop K for uh, cable car propulsion gearboxes, traffic calming. Um, most of the comments and questions from the CAC sought to clarify on, on clarification on specifics. Uh, but the degree to which funds were leveraging federal dollars for these projects and the need to continue operations of the cable cars into the future uh, and the inability to replace the gearboxes uh, all, uh, all out, uh, necessitating, necessitating the overhaul that's uh, being uh, funded, uh, made this mostly attractive. Uh, we're happy to see the traffic calming backlog getting addressed and look forward to finding ways to help communities implement future traffic calming efforts, given that there seems to be uh, a large increase in desire for traffic calming coming from our neighborhoods. Uh, item number five, the subway master plan. Uh, the CAC asked several questions on this item, uh, most of which are explained in the, in the minutes, so I don't want to go over each individually, but uh, something we didn't touch on much and which uh, you know, should perhaps be part of every study like this and every discussion we have on this is how land use is affected by our subways and transit systems, uh, how property values and demographics are impacted, and how low-income communities are taken into account in their needs to get to jobs in our recreation centers. Um, with that, I'll close my remarks. Okay, thank you very much. Colleagues, any questions? Okay, we'll move on to public comment for item number two. Anybody wish to comment? All right, seeing none, public comment is closed. So, colleagues, this is an information item, so no action needed? That's right. All right, Mr. Clark, would you go to item number three? Uh, item three, approve the minutes of the October 11th, 2016 meeting. This is an action item. Okay, colleagues, any questions or comments? Okay, we'll move on to public comment. Anybody wish to comment on item three? Seeing none, public comment is closed. Colleagues, have a motion to approve item number three? Motion by Supervisor Avalos. We'll do a roll call vote. Oh, thank you. Roll call vote. On item three, Commissioner Avalos. Aye. Avalos, aye. Commissioner Breed. Breed is absent. Commissioner Farrell. Aye. Farrell, aye. Commissioner Peskin. Aye. Peskin, aye. The minutes are approved. Okay. Mr. Clerk, what do you call item number four? Item four, recommend allocation of 3149000 in Prop K funds with conditions for three requests and appropriation of 100000 in Prop K funds for one request subject to the attached fiscal year cash flow distribution schedules and a commitment to allocate 325000 in Prop K funds. This is an action item. Uh, good morning, Supervisors and uh, rather Commissioners. Uh, Anna Lafort, Deputy Director for Policy and Programming at the Transportation Authority. Um, I'll just jump right into this allocation request um, grouping. We have four requests to present to you today. The first is the cable car propulsion gearboxes um, request, and this is a Prop K request from the SFMTA for approximately $1.3 million to leverage um, federal funds totaling over $5 million, and this is to overhaul the five 
propulsion gearboxes that provide power to the cable car lines. There are four that are in use and one that is a spare, and they have been in use since 1984. Um, it's a rehab project as opposed to a replacement project because the cable car system is a unique system and there's no off-the-shelf parts and components that can simply be purchased, so any of the replacement parts will actually need to be custom-made. There is information in the packet of materials that includes the shutdown schedule that the MTA is proposing. There will be a series of four 10-day shutdowns of the cable car system. Three is, um, three are, so there's one for each cable car line and one for all of the cable car lines. There are 10 consecutive days and there will be a six-month evaluation period in between those shutdown periods. Um, and there's also an outreach um, uh, uh, plan, a communications plan. M MTA is working with the tourists and the hotel and convention at bureaus and schools and churches and various different stakeholders in the area to make sure to get the word out about the shutdown schedule. And the project should be complete by the end of 2019. The next request is for the traffic calming implementation project, and this is um, what is sometimes referred to as the backlog of traffic calming um, projects from area-wide plans that were completed anywhere between two and 10 years ago. Um, this is the last batch of those projects. There are um, the traffic calming plans that will be completed are listed in the packet. There are a total of 11 of them. They're in various different stages of development, so we're allocating funds for, um, for planning, design, and construction because the various different batches will all be going on concurrently, but the entire project will also be complete by the end of 2019. <clears throat> and these are the recommendations from the plans that are traffic islands and mostly speed humps and um, cushions, which are just a portion of the road for the hump. The third request is for the Elk Street traffic coming, or pedestrian safety project, rather. This is the District 8 NTIP or Neighborhood Transportation Improvement Program capital project recommendation for $80,000 for the design phase of the project with a commitment to allocate another $325,000 for the construction phase when the project is ready to proceed. Um, it improves access to Glen Canyon. It has been requested by neighborhood associations and various different uh, stakeholders and Supervisor Wiener supports, supports the request. Um, the project would be open for use by September of 2018. And the last request is from the Transportation Authority, and this is for $100,000 to leverage a Caltrans planning grant to the SFCTA. This is to take the um, NTIP, District 6 NTIP funded phase one study for ramp intersections in the south of market area, and that studied five locations and made short-term and easier to implement recommendations for those um, for those ramps. And this will expand the set of um, the set of ramps that could be um, examined for potential improvements to ten ramps. The project focuses on the south of market area because there's the highest cluster of high injury um, ramp intersection areas um, in this particular corridor, um, but there. There are um, other projects that are going on throughout the city, such as at the Alamany area or in Baboa Park area, where ramps are also being studied to look at the feasibility of improvements in other areas and for various different types of configurations of ramps. Um, we'll be working closely with MTA on the study, as well as Caltrans and community outreach would be begin next summer. I'm here to answer any questions, as well as various project managers from the implementing agencies. Thank you. Thank you very much. Colleagues, any questions? 
comments? Supervisor Avalos, oh, sorry, Commissioner Avalos. Just a, a question about the work that will be done on Alameda. Uh, right now there's a real um, need for pedestrian access from the southern, on the south side of Alameda to get to um, the farmer's market and wondering if that's a goal to um, be able to make sure that there's greater access, there's actually access and it's safe for pedestrians. Yes, um, so there, um, there was a presentation at the Finance Committee um, last month. Um, this, the Alamany Interchange Improvement Study is a District 9 Neighborhood Transportation Improvement Program study that is currently underway. The presentation went to Finance Committee because Supervisor Campos, the district representative for the, for the NTIP study, is on that committee. Um, there are uh, two phases of near-term improvements that have been recommended, um, one of which you'll actually see next month, and that is for lane reconfiguration and putting in better strategies to um, to guide the traffic and to guide the cyclists in the area. The second phase of work is for a, a, a multi-use path that would allow for access and, and a signal, and I'm, I'm going to get the exact streets wrong, but it would provide access to the farmer's market as well. That had the higher ticket um, cost, and there were also some drainage issues because it would be creating a new path in an area that is prone to flooding, so we need to work with the PUC in order to advance that project. But the striping request should be coming forward next month. Great, thank you. And it's really uh, the Portola and San Bruno neighborhoods to cross over, and that sounds like you guys are working on it. So good, thanks. Any further questions or comments? And just want to thank you and the whole staff for, for working on a lot of the Laurel Heights projects that the neighborhood has been working on for years and years and, and sorely needed. Um, so thank you for all that as well. Okay, <clears throat> with that, um, we will open this up to public comment. Anybody wish to comment on item number four? Seeing none, public comment is closed. Uh, take this uh, same house, same call. Same house, same call. All right, so move. Mr. Clark, what do you call item five? All right, item five, update on the subway master plan. This is an information item. Good morning, Commissioners. Graham Satterwhite, Manager of Long Range Planning from the SFMTA. Uh, I'm co-presenting today with Michael Schwartz from the San Francisco County Transportation Authority on a, a possible a po component of tr San Francisco's transportation future, significant, specifically subways. Uh, and I want to acknowledge the participation of the San Francisco Planning Department in this work as well. The, the San Francisco subway vision is generated out of an ordinance drafted by Supervisor Wiener in the fall of 2015. Uh, and in speaking of Supervisor Wiener, it's really about not losing momentum on thinking about major transit infrastructure investments for the city. Uh, as we think about how this first iteration of the subway vision, we really wanted to frame what subways are, what they do well, their characteristics, and, how, and some policy guidance on how we think about implementing, delivering subways for the city of San Francisco. Also an operator and mode neutral perspective. This is the start of a conversation, so not predetermining who might ultimately run any future subways in the city. Uh, and thinking just about initial candidate corridors where subways make sense. This work is gonna feed into uh, the Connect SF program, which I'm gonna touch on at the end, and is gonna be iterated upon. So again, this is the start of a conversation. Subways are unique, in particular, that they are grade separated. This allows them specific features like moving large volumes of people very reliably 
uh, in grade-separated corridors, meaning quickly. Uh, this does come with trade-offs. We know that currently our delivery process is very long. The capital dollars are very high in delivering these investments, and they may not meet the needs of all mo uh, travel choices and modes so that station locations and station spacing may not allow everyone to get everywhere they want to go by only subways and that they are part of a larger ecosystem. We took a three-pronged approach in developing this vision. The first was to leverage past work in a prior, prior plan review, uh, talk to San Franciscans today about where, where they think subways might be valuable, and then conduct some new analysis. Uh, in looking at prior plans, we saw a lot of great ideas, uh, a lot of great ideas that haven't quite materialized, but we have seen some ideas that are, in particular the Four Corridors Plan, uh, the Central Subway Project is under construction, and we have the Venice BRT Project, which I believe kicked off this past weekend, uh, and the Geary BRT is moving through its environmental review phase. Um, so this is really about looking at what, what comes next uh, and acknowledging that this isn't the first time San Francisco over the region have tried to think big about rail investments. So we saw a number of corridors that we wanted to keep in mind as we move forward through this work. In, in trying to hear from San, Francisco's to, San Franciscans today, uh, we decided to leverage an online crowdsourcing tool so that people could engage with us at their convenience, at their time, from their home, uh, and really spend as much or as little time as they wanted to through an online mapping tool that let them sort of envision the subway system of the future, including stops and stations and, and rail alignments and how they fit in with the current system. Uh, we recognize that we do need to complement that with some in-person outreach elements so that we're touching folks who may not have internet access, may not uh, have high internet penetration in their community, or simply aren't aware of the subway vision and are not somebody who's gonna necessarily reach out and wanna talk to us. So we had three pop-up uh, intercept outreach activities in the Bayview, Tenderloin, and Excelsior neighborhoods where we were doing just that. The online tool was extremely successful. We had over 2,600 unique submissions. Uh, some of these were just single lines where people were probably drawing their maybe their desired commute trip. Uh, other ones were sort of comprehensive networks and systems that include stops, stations, and lines <coughs> all throughout the city. Uh, also some right brain creative thinking with uh, lines out to the Farallon Islands, uh, a couple down to South America, across the Atlantic to Africa and Australia. Uh, so some, some real creative thinking. Um, but what you can see on the heat map, while the, the, ta the online tool asks folks to draw their subway vision for the future, we can interpret this a lot in terms of where people feel like their mobility needs are not being met and where there is greater desire for more efficient uh, and streamlined, reliable travel. Obviously, uh, a number of corridors pop to the top um, based on this heat map. Those are uh, points of information that we wanted to particularly use in our analytical work to understand where the perception and the reality of sort of trip making and travel patterns are gonna align. We also, at the, at the pop-up events um, in the Tenderloin, Bayview, and Excelsior communities, we were intercepting people on the street who by and large had not heard of the subway vision. Uh, we also had in-person translation services so that about a quarter to a third of the responses we received were uh, from folks who were not native English speakers. Uh, and we can by and large say that the 130 responses we got and the multiple hundred people we spoke with, uh, we would not have heard from these people otherwise. And from that heat map that's specific to the, the in-person pop-up events, we can see some of the same similar desire lines or indicators of 
greater need of greater mobility, particularly the Geary Corridor, but a number of other lines as well. Uh, and so we're really glad that we did get to hear from these folks that we otherwise would not have heard from. I really appreciate that type of outreach in District 11. If you look at who uses our public transportation system, it is almost 95% people of color, immigrants, people whose languages are other than English. So appreciate that. Um, so that is, we, we did our prior plan review. Uh, we spoke with San Franciscans today. We wanted to take those two information points and then tie them together with some of the analytical work um, that we're capable of doing in terms of thinking new, thinking about where people are gonna be needing to move in the future uh, and where subways might be most appropriate. And with that, I'm gonna hand it off to Michael uh, to speak towards some of that work. Good morning, commissioners. Michael Schwartz, principal planner at the Authority. Um, so as Graham said, we, we used those first two data points and then we did uh, do some additional analysis, both looking at existing ridership today, existing um, operational analyses, but then we also looked into the future, um, looking at 2040, looking at the last countywide plan projections as well as Plan Bay Area, and looked at uh, where the land, land use patterns were developing to look at not just where transit ridership is being expected, but also just overall travel demand. So potentially people who are driving places or there's just a lot of travel demand may be ripe to be converted to transit ridership in the future if there is a ubiquitous or very um, high quality transit network like a subway network. Um, we did um, look at density patterns, which is what this map shows. So this is population density, also uh, job densities, and looking at different ways that, th that those patterns do develop into the future. Uh, and then also looked at kind of where people's patterns tended to develop if there was a sort of ubiquitous subway network, so where would people tend to, to go? And that helped us really understand where, where demand could uh, be generated in the future. And so from those three sets of information, we generated sort of three different types of corridors. Um, a lot of these will fall into multiple bucket buckets, but they were sort of three distinct buckets. One was uh, crosstown, so people really having desire to just get all the way across San Francisco. We know that BART is basically the only subway line that goes all the way through um, the city from um, one side all the way to the other, and so um, people do have a desire to be able to get across town. The other is a connector, so people really wanting to get to that major trunk line, the Muni Metro, um, or other uh, trunk lines, regional trunk lines, um, and the final is just pure demand base. so where are we just seeing a lot of um, transit or uh, transportation demand, uh, could be from surface transit, could be from driving, but just where are we really likely to see a lot of demand in the future. Um, and as I mentioned, some of these corridors really would fall into multiple buckets. And so um, I'm going to show you a couple of maps, but what I say before I talk about either of these is please do not get attached to them. These are by no means proposals, um, but we did want to test uh, what it would look like if we were to essentially triple the subway network uh, within the city of San Francisco. We have about um, 15 miles today, and we added about 30 miles. And so we generated two different concepts. This first one here is really looking at where would we generate the most demand. So this is really using that analysis to say, okay, this is where we, we, we think we could generate um, very high ridership, people's connecting people's origins and destinations. Um, so if you look at this, you can see there's a line sort of in the, the Geary area um, that then uh, makes its way south by, by Golden Gate Park and then down 19th Avenue to the southern part of the city, um, an extension of the T3rd north um, and then along the Lombard Quarter and also undergrounding the existing surface part of the T3rd. Uh, in addition, is something in sort of the Van Ness area um, heading um, southeast into the southern part of Mission Bay um, as well as undergrounding the existing N and sending that into the, the Soma area, pulling it out of the Muni Metro. 
And then what we said is, okay, well, if this is one sort of comparison, let's see what it looks like if we did um, a different concept that essentially looks at how do we get a little bit more geographic coverage throughout the city and also looks at some trade-offs uh, both between different corridors as well as different alignments within a, a similar corridor. And so that's how we came up with what we called concept B. Uh, the major differences here is rather than undergrounding the surface part of the T-third, um, you would have a line going into Hunters Point Shipyard really from more of a Fillmore Divisadero north-south line instead of that Van Ness area. Um, and then the extension would be going more towards the Fisherman's Wharf area rather than the Lombard area for that T-third. Um, the Geary line would be going more out towards the beach. Um, and this is, again, corridors, not, not specific streets, but in that general vicinity. Um, also undergrounding what is the existing end, but sending it more into the Mission <coughs> Bay area. Um, and then on the south, southern part of the city, um, some proposals that have been shown before, including the, the extension of the M-Line to, to Daly City BART, um, as well as the Geneva Corridor. And so uh, we did look at sort of what the potential were for these types of, uh, of the systems. And we did find that if we were able to do something as, as monumental as tripling the subways, uh, the amount of subways in San Francisco, we would have significant uh, benefits, including major travel time, uh, savings, so about 25,000 hours of travel time savings per day for transit riders. So uh, on any given trip, somewhere around um, 10 to 15 minutes round trip, uh, major reliability improvements. So by closing the system, not having surface rail, you'd be able to start to see sort of BART level of on-time performance in the 90%. So when you, you know when your train's supposed to come, it arrives at that time. Um, significant increased ridership, 15, 20%, um, and major enhanced accessibility to the point where under either of these um, corridors, or under either of these networks, you would see greater than 80% of San Francisco residents being able to walk to a subway stop and greater than 90% of jobs within walking distance of a subway station. Um, we also did a little bit of analysis to look at how the uh, benefits were distributed, and we did find that low-income residents um, did benefit at a similar rate to um, the, the population at large. Um, and I do just want to talk about, I know this is a very complicated map up here, just to be able to show you um, kind of some of the analyses we did. This is looking at the travel time savings um, for different zones across the city. So blue is more travel time savings. Um, red would be actual increases in travel time. And you can see that it's fairly well distributed across the city. This is for that concept B, so you can see the Hunters Point shipyard where there was a direct um, line going straight to it accrues a significant amount of hours of, of travel time savings. Um, so at this point, we know that the, there are major network benefits, and um, there are some next steps now for how we would start to do the hard work of saying, okay, well, how do we actually start to prioritize within these networks and what might be um, incremental ways to start um, developing some of these uh, potential projects? And with that, I'm going to hand it back over to Graham. Thanks, Michael. And um, as he said, these 30 miles of subway are not going to materialize overnight or in just a couple years, but we will need to incrementally uh, build out a system for generations to come. And we want to think about where we're going to get the best bang for the buck, how, where are we going to be moving the most people and to save them the most amount of travel time, uh, how might new investments and new subways actually complement and provide sort of synergistic benefits to our existing subway systems. So really thinking from a system integration perspective, uh, how we can um, get more than just the individual lines on the map, but actually uh, uh, build a robust system. And again, emphasizing that we don't want to leave anybody behind, particularly those who may be most reliant or, or need these sort of high capacity, reliable modes of transit. Uh, these are representative, but we really want to, again, start framing the thinking about how, do we, how will we decide 
which, which routes and which um, corridors we want to really think about prioritizing for investments first. And as I mentioned, this is this, the vision is the start of the conversation, uh, but there's lots of other areas where we need to be thinking big, dramatic, and in a vision-like manner. Uh, funding, obviously, is an easy one to look at. 30 miles of, of subways, would, you know, the, the funding streams just, that, that doesn't seem realistic in our lifetimes based on current funding streams. Maybe there's a sea change ahead of us, but currently uh, we need to start looking at expanded funding sources, new ways, innovative ways of funding, and, and we also need to think about how we're delivering projects and how can we speed up the delivering timelines, both from a cost competitiveness as well as a calendar and schedule perspective. Um, and the CAC report included a, a, a note about talking about land use. And we're not, the likelihood of major, major transit investments in, in our city without a conversation of, about land use and the number of people that these investments are then available for and how, they, how we can move and grow as a city, um, these things need to be talked about together. These are intrinsically linked land use and transportation. Um, and then lastly, well not lastly, sorry, uh, continued inclusive and open outreach and that this is a decision that we need, these decisions need to be made together uh, is the only way that we'll be successful in delivering these major projects and included in that is building champions. Champions at the neighborhood and community level, champions in this room, champions at the state, regional, and, and federal level as well. Uh, all those things are gonna need to come together to push forward even individual elements of this subway vision. And so we're gonna encapsulate this work in a report targeting the end of the year. Uh, but the work doesn't stop there. It's gonna feed into the Connect SF program, which is a multi-department collaborative effort to look not just as subways in the long-term vision sense, but the whole transportation ecosystem. Recognizing that subways are not the silver bullet, but that pedestrian, bicycle, automobiles, surface transit, all need to create the sort of comprehensive mobility network that San Francisco is gonna to need to continue to be a desirable, livable place to live, globally competitive, uh, and meet the, the goals that we've set for ourselves. Uh, so that Connect SF work is, uh, has underway. We're looking to start publicly outreaching this fall with a, a, a survey talking about just some core values and how people think about the future of transportation in San Francisco. Uh, and then moving into 2017, uh, continued ana analysis, outreach, and stakeholder activities. Uh, and with that, I'd like to open up to any questions. Okay, thank you very much for your presentation. Commissioners, any questions or comments? Okay, thank you very much. Um, thank you for all your hard work. Uh, at this point, we'll open up to public comment on item five. Anybody wish to comment on this item? <clears throat> Seeing none, public comment is closed. Okay, colleagues, so this was an informational item. Um, so no vote. Um, Mr. Clerk, would call item six. Item six, introduction of new items. Colleagues, any new items to introduce? Okay, move on. Uh, can you call item number seven? Item seven, general public comment. Anybody wish to publicly speak? Good morning. As a person with social career, we take personal, family, and social values to be of great importance in life. Therefore, we accept the worthy reality for true liberty and true justice, making these facts to be objective for the seeking of true destiny. We work very hard to have payoff in life for our share of benefits. Our good deeds and works for our missionary pathway, we definitely can have a true games of heavenly rewards 
in return for spreading the words of true principle, helping the poor and the needy, promotion of love and mercy to others, establish the divine foundation for heavenly virtues onto four seas, the working results of personal collaboration, soul in one's spirit and bodily qualities. One must, sincerely speaking, be honest to one's personal virtues, not letting one's uncontrolled emotion going out of bounds. We have to fight for the traditional standard values, values of personal, family, and social justice to ensure the continuation for the integrity of well-beings in life. We must, on one hand, making success for one's destiny, and on the other hand, transform oneself from an ordinary individual onto a holy person to be having a true objective in life. Thank you. Thank you very much. Any other members of the public wish to speak? Public comment, seeing none, public comment is closed. Mr. Clerk, would you call M number eight? All right, item eight, adjournment. All right, thanks everyone, we are adjourned. TV San Francisco Gov Go Gov TV San Francisco